Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. Today, I'm super excited to have on the podcast Green Bay's own Alyssa Lentz. Hey, Alyssa, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and I wear many hats. Um, my first hat and oldest hat is uh, that I'm a photographer and artist. I specialize in doing um, queer-centered photography and fat-positive photography. Um, so working specifically with folks who feel like they haven't been represented well in lots of spaces, but particularly the wedding industry. Uh, and then I'm also an organizer for Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin. So yet another time where I'm doing some work for folks who don't feel like they've been represented well. So yeah, that's, that's me. Hell yeah. I don't know, you listeners can't see it, but I was just nodding the whole time. Like, yes, yes. I love all of that. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've gotten so many compliments on the photo shoot we did. Alyssa took all the photos um, that are now on my website and promos and you just, you have such a good eye. And um, what struck me about wanting to work with you is the, the, the take on fat positivity. Like I feel like so often in photography, it's just, you know, you get a size two and no shame on size two people, but like, yeah, yeah it's very easy to photograph. Them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed I'm, I do like have a stronger emphasis in the wedding industry, but in general, seeing fat representation in the world like until very recently I had not seen like an advertisement for something with a fat woman that wasn't advertising something weight loss related like uh -huh. like until the last few years I don't really think that existed um and so just like putting fat people in my work and like not trying to like find things that look like slimming I feel like I remember that being I don't know like growing up I would go to get a haircut and they would be like that's not going to be a slimming one honey let's do something different <laughs> and like I just don't give a fuck about slimming like I don't that's not the point so yeah I was just recently complaining because there's all these uh uh, styling services that say we're size inclusive and then they send you sweatpants and a t-shirt dress and I'm like I could have done this on my own um as a fat girl I've never had a problem finding sweatpants you know <laughs> yeah, thank like, you Ben to torrid I can do this myself <laughs> I know where to find a t-shirt with a skull on it yeah um if I wanted floral peace signs I can make that happen <laughs> yeah it's rough out there Oh, it definitely is. Definitely. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the pod. I think you're just such a dynamic person and you're, you encompass so much about what's right in Northeast Wisconsin that I'm excited to have you on. I said, that thank like you that. so much. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. So I'm curious, what's your relationship to horror movies overall? How do you feel about horror? So I will probably get into this deeper later, but I grew up, um, in a super fundamentalist Christian family and horror was definitely discouraged, which made me really like it. Um, I've always really loved the feeling of like being scared um, for like my whole life. So I love horror. I love like crime. I love suspense. I love thriller. Um, it has always felt like such a there's like this weird sense of safety in horror where like 
it's a, a controlled fear. And I really like that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally relate to that. It's like you get to experience the emotion, but you can turn it off, you know? Yeah, I can step away. It's not real. And like, I don't know. I think whenever something is like forbidden to me, I, of course, I'm going to be more drawn to it. So yes. <laughs> there's definitely that like rebellious component of wanting to like sink my teeth into something extra scary because I knew that I wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, um, what's the first horror movie you remember seeing? Actually, it's the movie we're going to talk about today, which is oh, no. The Others. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was my very first horror movie. And I can still like very vividly remember watching it with my, I watched it with my grandparents, which feels a little like goofy. <laughs> Um, and yeah, like, I don't, I don't know that they knew what it was going to be before they let me watch it. I assume that it was like pretty shortly after it came out. Um, but yeah, that was my, my intro to horror. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. I didn't realize this movie, the others starring Nicole Kidman. Um, for those of you that know bloody Mary, we go full spoilers. So if you hasn't, haven't seen this movie, stop listening right now, go watch it. It's free on YouTube. And also, you know, it's, it's 21 years old, so I can't be held accountable for the spoilers. <laughs> this movie is old enough to drink. Um, <laughs> I was really surprised by that because like time flies now, I guess. I know. Um, but yeah, it's about a family living on the uh, Jersey Channels Island during World War II. And um, they are visited by new housekeepers that come mysteriously out of nowhere to help them. And then they start experiencing intruders in the home. And then there's a big reveal at the end. So um, besides having this be, you know, like a bonding moment with your grandparents, why did you pick the others? So I think, um, like I mentioned, coming from fundamental Christianity and being someone who has like deconstructed my faith there's a lot of like really interesting parallels to religion in in the movie and a lot of like symbolism um that I really like as an adult I really almost uh, feel like a kinship with um the daughter in the movie Anne who is like continually questioning her mom's like pretty harsh Catholicism the whole time um where she's just like you can tell that she's a skeptic and she doesn't, she doesn't buy into it. And, um, I don't know. I, I just like a lot of that symbolism. It feels, um, like it hits a little bit close to home. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of conversations around Nicole Kidman as the mother that I was just kind of taken aback by like, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, just a fun conversation with mom about, you know, the levels of hell and where children will fall into them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like thinking about that and the way that I experienced honestly, like more bleak conversations than that in my like real life too, is kind of funny and not funny at the same time. Like, I don't know. It. I feel like there were parts of my childhood that very much mimic this horror movie which is always concerning (laughs) Um, 
Yeah. yeah, I could definitely see you as Anne, you know, now as an adult, you're an artist and an advocate for women's health and Planned Parenthood that I think like Anne would have done that too. I think so. I mean, I feel like Anne got really lucky because she gets to haunt people forever. And I haven't yet had that privilege, but I'm someday, someday, watch out Ron Johnson. <laughs> That's the first house I'm haunting. <laughs> that is kind of what being an organizer is right (laughs) (laughs) that's true there is a lot of just like creeping up on people and asking them questions that scare them like are you registered to vote and like will you volunteer with me um let's do power mapping (laughs) (laughs) so spooky i love that i'm gonna try to incorporate that into halloween in some way I tried to do some Halloween themed um, organizing in 2020 and people didn't love it as much as I did, but I wish you the best in that. (laughs) Yeah, I got to say October is the one month of the year that people are really into booking me, you know, that that's when they love like all my jokes about 30 year old horror movies and (laughs) I do lean more into the comedy world in October. Um. You know, speaking of like things from an organizing and labor perspective, I got to say the idea that Mr. Tuttle and Mrs. Mills, the, and the, the mute young woman that show up, mm-hmm. like the fact that they, okay, it's revealed that everybody's dead. That's the big reveal. Yeah. But like, they have to be servants forever. I like, know. Well, yeah big bummer to die and then you have to like go back and work for these people and like not even a reprieve in death you like first you get tuberculosis and then you just (laughs) are bound to being lower class citizens even in the afterlife yeah a real shit deal (laughs) like like no one is there to enforce the social class. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, like, couldn't they just go live in the woods and do their own thing? You know? Yeah, they very much could have. And then they're like, they're worried about protecting like grace and the kids from like learning the truth about who they are and what happened to them. Like it's just a lot of stress. I don't know. I would, that is not my plan for, yeah, for post-death. Yeah. I'm going to eat all the delicious food I want and hang out in a field. Like <laughs> a lot of hedonistic plans for the afterlife. If it, if oh, it, yeah. No, yeah. there's no way I'm going to like nanny two bratty children. That's not yeah. happening. I was like, was Mrs. Mills actually in hell? Like, that- Honestly, maybe that's yeah kind of my nightmare like in this dark house where these kids can not have any access to sunlight and they're like kind of sassy I just no Mm -hmm. that's not what I want for myself oh that's the other thing showing up you know before it's revealed that Mr. Tuttle and Mrs. Mills are actually dead 
um, you know, Nicole Kidman's character is explaining like, no light, lock all the doors all the time, uh, you know, and they're just like, mm-hmm, yep, sure. Yep. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, I gotta go. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's like 50 keys and they're all different and they each go to a different door. I'm like, I don't know that I have the capacity for this actually. Like, how about just like one, one master key that opens all the doors? No. Yeah. Yeah. I would just be like, you're not well and I'm out. So <laughs> yeah, I, that would have been a pretty good first indicator to me that that was not the job for me, but mm-hmm. yes. Uh, so what themes stuck out to you in this movie? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I think there's like a lot of uh, like visual metaphor of like dark and light and like, ex- like um, truth and kind of exposing truth. Um and I think in thinking about like deconstruction, I really love that um, under like under Grace's thumb, right? Like under under the mom's thumb, everything is dark in the house. They're like really leaning hard on like um, faith and belief and like being really good people is how they're gonna make it through the world and get to heaven. And then in like exposing all of that and finding out that they're already dead and they can't really do any, there's nothing else left to be done. Um, That's when the kids like get to go play outside and be in the sunlight and just like be children again. Um, And I, I really like that. And I love, there's a moment at the end of the movie where Grace is talking to Anne and she says something like, like I'm no wiser than you, but I know that I love you or something like that. And it's like, um, some of her like walls are broken down a little bit because she's this like really hard, cold, like Catholic mom who doesn't see her kids as kids. Really. She just sees them as like little baby apostles or something. Um, yeah, I just, I really love that kind of symbolism I guess and that like breaking down of her faith I guess yeah especially because Anne was just so precocious and calm like when she talked about seeing um I forget what she called her but it was the ghost of the old woman oh the like spooky old lady the medium yeah, and the number of times that she's seen her, and it was 14. <laughs> when she shows her that, like, terrifying little, like, pencil scrawl drawing of, like, this is all of them, and I see the old lady the most or something, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. are you all right? Like, maybe this is something we should have debriefed sooner. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, lately, I have been falling down TikTok holes of, people who make videos of their kids encountering what they think are ghosts and um it's terrifying to do alone at night (laughs) kids are creepy that's I wouldn't recommend that as like an alone hobby for nighttime Kristen I think that's daytime only with other people (laughs) and no children it's a mental health but it is exciting Oh yeah. It's very fun. I, yeah. Did you have any kind of like, I don't know, were you like a paranormal spooky little kid or not really? 
Um, you know, I loved horror as a genre. I loved scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, oh yeah. But you know, I felt like I wasn't uh, interesting enough for ghosts to visit. Really, I don't know. <laughs> that is fair. I, yeah, I never had any kind of. I did have, maybe, this isn't quite paranormal, but it is like a weird childhood thing that I think someone should have talked to me about more. Uh, I used to sleepwalk a ton as a kid and I had this like recurring series of dreams where I would, my mom and I lived with my grandparents when I was a kid. I would sleepwalk into the kitchen and sit at the kitchen counter and talk to this man named the mud man. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was like kind of imagine Bigfoot but made of dirt um, and I would talk to him and we would make plans to run away together and like Ooh. that was I think I must have been like four <laughs> and it happened multiple times where like my mom would find me in the kitchen just like talking <laughs> to, to the mud man um, I would watch that TikTok for sure <laughs> It, yeah I think about it often as an adult where I'm like what the hell was happening with me where like that that's what my subconscious was having me do wow that is scary <laughs> yeah, he, no does he ever stuff. visit anymore or no sadly no the mud man and I never got to run away together I never got my happily ever after with the mud man <sighs> Those damn fairy tales just aren't real. Yeah. Um, you know, to jump back to, we're talking about, you know, Catholic moms. I grew up Catholic home and had to do the whole Catholic school spiel. Um, I feel like I was more so just a pain in the ass for the nuns and the priests though. Cause like, you know, there's this attitude like grace has of like, you just believe it very firm and, you know, um, I was still lucky, luckily enough to go to school and we had critical thinking skills taught to us. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was just always like, but why, but why, but why, but well, why doesn't that happen anymore if it happened then? And um, yeah, they did not enjoy me. I can imagine you would have, so like as a kid, I was very, I never externalized those questions. I just like held on to them and like, made myself feel ashamed for having them oh, no. so a true um, catholic <laughs> yeah i mean i wasn't even catholic but i feel like i got the catholic guilt kind of vibe down um yeah it's like a little bonus that you get um you can be evangelical and get uh the catholic guilt and long denim skirts it's <laughs> it's the bonus package that i think nobody talks about oh those skirts oh boy yeah. Yeah. And I thought they were really cool. Um, and I think if I even touched one now, it would give me a little shiver. That but, would be a fun Halloween costume though. Like, sister. Oh my God. That's <laughs> straight up my alley. Uh, yeah. I, I never like verbalized those kinds of questions. Like I definitely had them and then made myself feel bad for having them. So like a kid, like you as a kid would have been my nightmare, like asking questions or I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't ask those. <laughs> Kristen, that's how we get the bad feelings. We can't ask those <laughs> questions. You know, it's funny. They always had little activities where you would like earn points. And once mm -hmm. everyone earned enough points, you would get like a pizza party. And I was always the kid that never got to meet 
part of the pizza party. I think it was like by second grade, I was like, I'm good. I don't care. <laughs> oh, no, I was very much the polar opposite of like, if I memorize 10 extra Bible verses, then what do I get? Like, if I'm light years ahead of everyone else in my Sunday school class, is there like a special treat that I can get? Like, can I be like the teacher's little helper? Did you do Awana? Was that, or that's Baptist, right? I didn't do Awana, but I am well-versed in, in that world. I, yeah. um, you know, when I was little, our landlord was part of that. And, um, so I got taken to Awana meetings a couple times and they did not care for me and I didn't like them either. <laughs> no, I feel like a lapsed Catholic child at Awana is <laughs> not the vibe they're going for. <laughs> and one time my mom wore jeans to their church and they no. lost their mind. Yeah. yeah and no, was so that was like scandal already. Yeah. And then she wore jeans. Oh my God. Yeah. She's got the spirit of a Jezebel written all over her. That's for sure. Yeah. That's I like, even as an adult before, like long after I'd become an atheist, but was like still going to church, still felt like I needed to like ask my dad for permission to not wear pants, like to wear pants to church which is like a pretty wild idea. I think I was like 23. Oh, wow. So I got to ask, you know, in the spirit of Anne, uh, what was your radicalizing moment that like made you become who you are? Yeah, I think my Anne moment happened much later than Anne's. Um, when I was, I think like 19 or 20, uh, my best friend who I did think we were dating. Uh, he came out to me as gay and I had to like really reconcile with that because everything I had been taught growing up was like, love the sinner, hate the sin kind of messaging. And I realized like, I, there wasn't anything I hated about my best friend. I just like loved him exactly how he was. Um, and I had known for like I think since I was like seven or eight that I had some like queer feelings happening that I had suppressed and like in learning to like have this love and acceptance of everything that my friend was, I realized that I could like apply that to myself. Um, I also, I think once you like start pulling at one thread, it's really easy to unravel uh, the whole cloth so I got into feminism on tumblr as like a 20 year old and started to like pull at some of those pieces um and it was honestly like almost overnight that I went from being like someone who was questioning to someone who was like I am an atheist now um it was very much my like now I can go play outside in the sunshine I can be a like a real person now and have my real life kind of moment. Oh, that's a really beautiful metaphor. Yeah, I think that's I really think that's why I love this movie so much is like it just feels so much like that deconstruction idea of like um so much of life under grace is like performance based. 
and doing things by the book and doing things like properly. And there's so much freedom outside of that. That is, yeah, that's the plane and the sunshine and just getting to be a little ghost. Hell yeah. Little ghost <laughs> night. That's all I want. Yeah. I think, you know, the theme that jumped out most for me in this movie is uh, motherhood's hard and I have no oh, interest. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I feel like the entire plot line of like Grace um, unaliving her children is like a part that I somehow choose to ignore because it's like really fucking bleak. Like, that that's that's also like a reality that is like a real life horror thing that happens and yeah I mean I know both of us as people who work in like organizing spheres could talk a lot about like there are no social supports for people who need help and Grace's story is very much that yeah especially living on an island occupied by Nazis like hmm. yeah with like no husband at home to like help you out and yeah mm. yeah I also don't think motherhood is for me (laughs) oh no me neither I did really enjoy (laughs) you know just like jumping back to the children kind of dissecting religion as well um you know Anne and um Nicholas discussing like they expect us to believe everything we read in the Bible, even that doves are the Holy Spirit. And then Nicholas says out loud, they poo on our windows. <laughs> that was like my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> I love that. I one of my favorite parts, the first time I saw this movie was when when Grace goes in uh and sees who she thinks initially is Anne and it ends up being like spooky old lady, but actually is Anne. But she says, I am your daughter. I used to like hide around my grandparents' house and like try to scare them by like doing this like far off glazed over look and saying, I am your daughter in like a creepy, creepy little kid voice to them. That was always my favorite part of the movie. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, I do remember when this movie came out being absolutely blown away by the twist. Cause you know, was, I think it was like before M night Shyamalan and all that, where you expected yeah. it. And, uh, it, uh, that seance when that came on screen was like, what? Whoa. Just phew, mind blown. Oh yeah. As like a, I think I was probably like maybe eight when I saw this movie for the first time, I was like, oh my God. What a masterful use of suspense and irony. Like it's so, yeah, I, I definitely did not. I feel like if this movie came out now, we'd be like, yeah, they're probably already dead. (laughs) But uh, yeah, at the time it felt very shocking and I don't know, kind of groundbreaking. And I love, I really like like haunted house style movies I think are like some of my favorite in the horror genre I think they're really fun and this one feels like such a good like they really nailed that concept I think in this movie oh yes I love a home invasion film and it 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's fun, but it kind of is like the twist on it in that they're the intruders. Yeah, I love that. Like they are like the others. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of cool. It's yeah, it's like a fun twist on that. And I think um, I feel like it's like very I see dead people. Like I don't know. It just feels classic to me. Mm-hmm. And you know that's what I love about this movie so much, and the twist, and um, is just the switch in um, the sense of perspective. Like mm-hmm. we automatically assume because they are the main characters that they're living, right? And yeah. The reveal you get is that they're very much like you said the others, and there's a question that they pose in the film between grace and her kids where she asks, or I think it was Nicholas asks, how do you tell the goodies from the baddies? Mm, mm-hmm. And that struck me as interesting. And I'm curious, how do you tell the goodies from the baddies? In life or in film? <laughs> <laughs> I guess either. I don't know. That's a really good question. I have no idea. How do we tell Kristen to help know, right? find them? Got to wait for the story to unfold. Yeah, I think. I don't know. How, like, not to like keep bringing things back to like my shitty church upbringing, but like, it's kind of the same vibe where you grow up thinking you are the goodies. Yeah. Um, and like you're you're in this really insular kind of community where you think like we're the good people we've got it right and everyone else like needs us to help them and then like growing up and and deconstructing that thought and realizing that like all of the times I thought I was helping people were like incredibly harmful and damaging I think that makes it a lot harder to tell who who are the baddies when when you uh, like your entire concept of like who good people are is kind of flipped on its head. You bring up such a good point too about being an organizer and the idea, mm-hmm. like like when I first started organizing, I was like in the idea of like, I'm helping people, you yeah. know, and like coming to that uh, metamorphosis of realizing like, oh no, we have intertwined struggles and my struggle is dependent on yours. So if we find liberation yeah. together, um, then that's true justice, you know? I think yeah. you, know, you can unintentionally be a baddie by trying to be a goodie. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. There's like so many components of like saviorism too, that come into play with organizing where like, I will think like, I'm giving this person a platform, like I'm giving them this. And like, is that what they need? Like, have I even asked them what they actually need? need from me <laughs> or have I just decided like I'm helping and I'm all you need and I will fix your problems <laughs> it's hard too especially like as a white lady that's kind of you know eh, you know there's a we're raised that way to think we know best yeah yeah absolutely instead of like going to the community that I'm like trying to support and and saying like what would be helpful what would be supportive how like what do you actually need? And just like the, the presumptuousness of like, I know best. Um, don't worry about a thing. We'll take it from here is yeah. yeah. Like very, um, 
very prominent in a lot of like NGO, any kind of like organizing nonprofit space for sure. Definitely. Oh, I remember I wanted to ask um, as a photographer, how do you feel about death photos? I was going to, I was going to bring this up before and totally forgot to, I, that entire, like, when I saw that for the first time and when I saw this movie, I was like, you can take pictures of dead people. Mm -hmm. I think it, it was a paradigm shift. Um, I, um, I don't know that it's for me. I don't, I don't think that's, uh, any work that I'll be getting into. I have been asked to photograph a couple of funerals, which is like a really odd space to be in. Um, the first, I think the first one was a family who had lost their, uh, like the grandfather, he was like super, super old and they were all, uh, Ukrainian immigrants and like also, uh, super like very Christian. Um, and the funeral was all in Russian and Ukrainian and I did not understand anything. And they had just asked me to take photos of the whole thing. And it feels like super invasive and weird to take pictures of people while they're like grieving. Um, so I didn't love that. And I don't think I would love just like corpse photography either. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever saw a death photo, it was at, uh, the Mexican museum of art in Chicago. <laughs> and it, it was, uh, you know, kind of like a moment where I was taken aback because it is something so outside the realm I'm used to, you know? Yeah. I also love the idea of it in that, you know, it's a way to remember them so that their spirit lives on. Yeah. That's kind of beautiful too. Have you been to the museum of death? Either of them? There's one in LA and one in uh, New Orleans. I did. (laughs) It's a lot. In, In New Orleans, I went. Yeah, I've been to the one in LA and yes, it is a lot. I think my, but my favorite uh, like exhibits were the like memento mori kind of things that they had. There were like um, some pieces that were made with like hair, like really intricately braided and woven like hair sculptures. I don't know what to call them. They were like fascinating to look at. Um, And then, yeah, there were like lots of death photos that were really neat um yeah that museum is a whole lot though I remember walking around and like not that I'm totally ghoulish but I was looking for the Wisconsin portion you know because we've kind of we you know we have a rich tradition of turning people into meals and furniture we sure and, do uh, and I couldn't find it and I was getting like almost to the point of like I want to speak to your manager and then I turned around and there was a whole wall about them and I was like okay okay thank you <laughs> Yeah, like I needed that. Isn't it? I feel like every every person in Wisconsin, maybe not every, but I I'm like from a more rural part of Wisconsin originally, and like any time like Ed Gein would be brought up, everybody has like some connection to Ed Gein of like my uncle was the one who burned down that barn or something. Like everybody has has their Ed Gein connection. Yep, Wisconsin famous. We got to have something to be proud of. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have this new bit, uh, new joke that I really love about how it's predominantly men who are serial killers, but now Green Bay has a claim to fame with Tracy Shabiznes, so. Oh my God. Yeah, that story is bonkers. There's a another, um, another one of my favorite Green Bay-related crime stories. I don't know if you have heard this before. It happened maybe probably like seven years ago. And there's, there's actually a Rolling Stone article about it, which is pretty amazing. But this woman was hanging out with a couple of friends. They were all juggalos and um, they were mourning the like one year anniversary of one of their fellow juggalos passing away. And they decided to do this like, um, they, they decided they were going to do like a bloodletting ceremony. Um, and eventually things transpired and they ended up cutting this girl's finger off like consensually and then like brought her to the hospital. But the two men involved in the story have like their like rap names included in all of the oh, <laughs> articles. Wow. And it's incredible. I only remember that the girl who lost her fingers name was Shelby. And like, anytime I meet a Shelby, I'm always like eyeing up her hands to be like, you got any scars? I'm like, were you the one? Were you the one, the Shelby? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I want to Google that. Oh yeah, it's good. They cauterized her finger with a car cigarette lighter. Oh. <laughs> God damn. That's yeah, bad. it's it's a bad one. It's like one of the most bonkers, but also like somehow very Green Bay story. Yeah, weird shit happens here. I don't know. I mean, it's my home and I love it. Um, but weird shit definitely happens here. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if it's some kind of chemical reaction between the cheese and the beer or I don't know. We're we're like not that far from two rivers or they have the nuclear power plant. Maybe there's something, something there. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I just (laughs) refuse to believe that we're all just naturally weird here. There has to be a reason. (laughs) This is how conspiracy theories are born. Yeah. This is the beginning of our cult. That'll be fun. Perfect. I was in one once and I didn't love it, but I think this one will be better. Less denim skirts. Yeah. And way better food. I promise. Okay. Great. (laughs) So are there any other favorite parts or themes that jumped out at you that we didn't get a chance to talk about already? I can't think of anything that we haven't already talked about. I think, oh, one thing I, I do really love in this movie is like uh, the atmosphere of it. Like the actual home is like bonkers beautiful. Like it's such a cool house. I feel like they there's a lot of like storytelling in just the atmosphere that is like set up in this house. And they're, it's not like they're really in any other locations outside of the house. It's all just like this one location um, And I just like, there were a couple of frames in the movie where I would just pause to look at like, um, there are a couple of rooms that have these big murals painted on the walls. And I would just like want to look at them and see what they were. Um, So I just really like that. I'm like a big fan of movies that use like a space to tell the story a little bit, almost like 12 Angry Men vibes where everything is in one room. 
um i i love that the whole movie is just on this property for the most part yeah you know i didn't even think about that because it doesn't feel confined it feels yeah i mean it's this like huge house and it feels like every other senior in a room that you have never been in before like the one where uh grace is just like ripping all of the like sheets off of all of the furniture that's in there where you're like I don't think I've seen this place before um yeah it just feels like um I don't know like you get to know the house a little bit and each room is just like very neat and fun to look at and just like visually I also, I felt like it was unnerving that you didn't know what time it was ever. Like it always felt like nighttime. Oh yeah. That it's, <laughs> I don't know why this isn't the only, <laughs> that's how I feel when I go to Woodman's. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I like never know what time of day it is in there. I walk out and it's like still broad daylight. And I'm like, I could have sworn it was midnight. <laughs> I have oh, no God. concept. When I, uh, I think I was like 19. I lived on Dowsman Street, downtown Green Bay in this like huge, it was like three or four bedrooms. It was like, a, it was like an old abandoned office building pretty much. And it had no windows and they charged, I think everyone who lived there paid $75 a month for rent. <laughs> like, <laughs> You never knew what time it was. It was always like 75 degrees, way too hot, but it was like so cheap. I mean, was it worth the $75 to have that uh, like massive upset to your like sleep cycle or? You know, I love a deal. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Yeah, look at me now in a house with windows. Oh my God. You're really in the 1% now, Kristen. (laughs) I made it. Uh, There was a scene, uh, you know, in the end where they realize that they are the ghosts and they were like, this is our house and no one can make us leave. And yeah, part of me was like, honestly, in this housing market, I get it. Like, (laughs) oh yeah, absolutely. Like stake your claim on that squatters rights. It is your house, honey. Don't let them tell you otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, I... Mm. yeah I as a person who is looking and has been looking for a new house um for the last few months I get it I think you stay I think I mean they're gonna try to sell that house in this economy not a chance yeah maybe that's how we get you a new house we just go do a haunting and drive (laughs) people out I think that could be fun. Like I said, I do kind of want to just like be a little ghost. So I don't know. (laughs) I love that. I often like think that, uh, you know, just the idea of like doing comedy and doing Zoom. And uh, there's always this little idea in my head that's like, you could just be an idea of a person and exist on Zoom from now on. (laughs) That is kind of how I feel sometimes. Uh-huh. like just back to back to back zoom meetings some days and like I think I might just be yeah a, a construct I I'm not real time's not real <laughs> I turn my video off am I even here <laughs> uh, that 
Yeah. Have you had, I don't know if this happens very often, but have you had like a, a team meeting or like a, an event or something where everyone has their camera turned off and like, you're the only person (laughs) with it on and you're like the person speaking and like running the meeting or whatever. And like, that's what I imagine it would be like to be a ghost a little bit. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 I've definitely been in that situation and I'll be like, Hey guys, can you turn your cameras on? And then there's like the big grudging, like, okay. Yeah. That's the true haunting. It feels too sad to talk to a bunch of boxes. Oh yeah. I need the nonverbal, like just a head nod every now and then. I really don't care if someone's listening. I'll talk to like occupy my, my own self and keep my own self company, but like a cursory head nod every, I don't know, 45 seconds is fine. Exactly. Uh, so any final thoughts on the others? Hmm. I think my, my big takeaway is that we should all run around outside like little child ghosts is the message I got from it. I love that. Um, and uh, don't get tuberculosis is my oh, yeah. other big takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Avoid TV, live in the light. Yes. I love yeah. it. I think those, those are my rules for living a good life. Those are good. And if you find yourself being a ghost, you don't have to be a maid. Run away. That's no, you can do say. anything. Don't nanny little children. You don't, that's not, you didn't work a full life. And she's like an old lady. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman that plays uh, Mrs. Mills, mm-hmm. she's like so old. Like, honey, you've worked a full long life. Retire. Yeah. yeah. Put those ghost feet up. Yeah go to Bali or something. I don't know. Just start walking. See where you go. (laughs) All right. So where can people find out more about, um, you know, Planned Parenthood and abortion rights in Wisconsin and your photography, all of it. Yeah. So for Planned Parenthood, if folks are in the Northeastern part of Wisconsin and interested in getting involved, they can certainly just email me. That would be wonderful. My email is alyssa.lentz, L-E-N-T-Z at ppwi.org. But we also have a pretty fully stocked website with all kinds of information that folks can check out about, um, the future of abortion access, where you can access abortion currently. We have a lot of, I think one thing that Planned Parenthood has done really well is making education really accessible to people. So we have all kinds of information on any kind of reproductive care topic you could ever want to know about. I have learned plenty of things like anytime a friend is like, is this thing normal on my scrotum? I go straight to the Planned Parenthood website. It helps me every time. Um, in terms of abortion access, I think right now is a really, really good time to be following folks like Women's Medical Fund, which is a Wisconsin-based organization that helps folks finance their abortions if they can't pay for the full cost themselves. Um, And especially as we're, you know, uh, could be days or weeks out from fully losing abortion access here in Wisconsin, um, organizations like that are going to be like essential to getting folks to the states that they need to be to have abortions. Um, yeah, I think 
those are my big recommendations in terms of abortion. If you're in the market for photography and not abortion, <laughs> uh, you, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, Alyssa.Lens. And um, I'm always happy to work with folks who are looking for like some fat positivity and fat acceptance. Um, I am also a queer person and I love working with other queer folks. I love one of the things that I've really been loving and leaning into a lot lately is working with folks who are um, like on a gender journey and helping them like document themselves in the gender presentation that feels really good for them so that they can see themselves in a really affirming, like safe, secure way. Um, so that's fun. If that's something that applies to you, I also offer those shoots at a like pay what you can kind of situation, which could be nothing or could be, I don't know, whatever you're comfy with. I don't know if there are any like trans billionaires that listen to your podcast. Um, hey, maybe I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. Those are the only people I want to succeed as billionaires. Um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think most of most of what I'm doing these days. And I would say, you know, even if you're not looking to hire Alyssa, you should follow her on Instagram because your photos bring such joy into my feed. It's like, I get to be a little part of these people's wedding day. And it's like, Oh, you know, it's just nice to see something nice on social media. (laughs) It is. It is nice to have like a break from doom scrolling to see like, you know, a few photos from like someone's happiest day of their life or something. Yeah. Right. Like go from like New York times push notification to like someone really happy eating cake. Hell yeah. Perfect. That's the <laughs> balance. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for joining me on bloody Mary. It's been such an honor to have you on and I'm excited to work with you in the future. I can't wait. Thanks so much for having me.